Tiger's got 152 yards. Should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Oh! He went in! <laughs> Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Mickelson Magic at 50. Kepka, a major champion. In your life have you seen anything like that? For tournament predictions and conversation on all the storylines across the PGA Tour, this is On the Green, WFUV's exclusive golf podcast. Welcome in to On the Green, the first episode of WFUV Sports' golf podcast. I know I'm really excited for this. A long time coming. Michael Calamari here with Andrew Galata and Chris Hennessy. We're going to be joined by Sam Davis later in the show. But first off, guys, uh, how are we doing? I'm really excited to be doing this episode, finally. Nah, yeah, it's, I'm definitely really excited. Definitely uh, fun to talk some golf. We always on FUV don't really get to talk about golf, maybe like once or twice a year when the majors come up, but it's nice to, to get a podcast on it. Yes, I'm glad I don't have to shoehorn the Masters talking exactly. to one-on-one exactly. anymore, which I've had to do in the past. Um, and this is certainly a long time coming uh, for me. I've tried to do this a couple different times, and I'm, I'm glad that, Mike, you, you took this uh, opportunity and Happy to talk with uh, Sammy D, who's out in the homeland, and uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, Chris, I think you said it perfectly. I, I remember when you're doing you know, pre-prep and you're going over what you want to talk about the show, and you've, I always felt like I was the guy trying to find a way to talk some golf, and this is an outlet now that you know we can talk about golf. I think mainly this podcast is going to be focused around the majors. That's what we're probably going to mainly try to you know get podcasts around those times, Masters, of course, especially, but there's also a lot of great golf happening right now, and I think that's what makes this episode really fun. You've had a, a lot of good tournaments when the start of the PGA Tour season. Mainly, though, the AT&T at Pebble Beach, a great tournament. That, at the beginning of the month, also waste management for that famous 16th hole. That was great to watch, the hole-in-one there. And also, just this past weekend, the Genesis Invitational. So there's been a lot of great golf, not even close to the majors, some Really good watches, and you know, Andrew. I'll start with you. You know, what's been one standout with these past, you know, three tournaments that we're looking at? I mean, I would say last three tournaments obviously has been playing really, you know, just some good golf overall. Obviously, the Genesis you had Joaquin Neiman wire to wire win. That's something that a lot of people didn't see just because the Genesis always the stars come out. Uh, for that tournament as well, and waste management. I think everyone, the whole world, got to see uh, what the 16th is there, and. Uh, just that crazy scene when Sam Ryder was able to to hit that hole in one. So overall, definitely a good start uh, off to, to to the golf season, PGA Tour season as well. And then AT and T Tour, kind of like the first big one at Pebble Beach, and uh, that one Jordan Spieth kind of lost control at the end there. A lot of people that was kind of like maybe you know have a big name win, but uh, Hoagie ends up with the win there. Yeah, I, I you know I love this time time in the season. I think the season really starts yeah. with Tory Pines and. You know, to me, the star of the past, of the West Coast Swing every year is just Riviera as a golf course, and Riviera as an idea, which I just adore. And U.S. Women's Open is going there in a couple of years, which should be awesome. And hopefully, they get—I think they maybe even have a Men's U.S. Open too. Now that I think about, it. or LACC does, but I don't know if Riviera does. But 
And then obviously Tiger is there, and he makes probably pretty much yeah. just his second public appearance since the accident, which was a year ago today. And um, it, it does bring up those memories of you know that was the tournament that we last saw him at. He wasn't playing because he was hurt, but uh, you know he got in the accident the day after that tournament. So that certainly you know was an undertone of that whole tournament. And um, this now we're in that transition period between the West Coast swing and the Florida swing. Uh, as we head into some of my favorite tournaments of the year. I mean, we got Honda this week. It we got uh, Bay Hill. We got the players, the match play, all before uh, the big one in April. So uh, it should be a lot of fun breaking it all down with you guys. Yeah, I, I think you know the golf we've seen so far has been really exciting, especially Riviera. You talk about a course that kind of plays like a testing point for what the majors are going to be like. So I think that makes that tournament really interesting. Um, you know, talking about specific golfers, you know, Colin Morikawa, I think he's been playing some great golf starting off. We know how good he is. Five runner-up results, six career professional victories. But, you know, the job he's done on the greens this season, you know, some place he's kind of struggled with. We know how good he is with the iron play. But fourth in strokes gained putting so far this season, a place he was 178th last season. So getting a chance to see these golfers, you know, take next steps in their game, I think that's something that makes these early tournaments really fun to watch. Morikawa, just mm-hmm. one player that, you know, I've seen that with thus far. Man, I love Morikawa. I think he's second in the world now, just like percentage points behind John Rahm for, for the best in the world. He's just so fun to watch. So young, too. Uh, kind of reminds me for you a little bit of Tiger when he's Yeah, was that's so what young. everyone says, I feel uh, like. Yeah. But obviously different as well. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely kind of a guy that you 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 probably will see shoot up the leaderboards, maybe you know win another major, but he's definitely a fun golfer to watch. Yeah, I mean he's the future of American golf too. Yeah, I mean exactly. yeah, certainly Tiger and Phil are older, and we'll get into Phil more, but uh, Tiger and Phil are older, and as good as DJ and Brooks are, you know I think what we saw at this Ryder Cup is that there is a young a young core of American golfers headed by Colin Morikawa that features Scotty Scheffler and uh, Daniel Berger's a little older, but. Um, those type of guys, and you know, you could certainly see Matt Wolf getting into that crew as well. Um, that are really, really good, and and could lead to dominance of the Ryder and Presidents Cups in the future. And I think Morikawa. I mean, he's won two, what two of his eight major championships so far. I think he's yeah. almost a lock to win one of them this year, which is insane to say. Um, you know, he could be what twenty four years old at the end of this season, three fourths of the way to a career Grand Slam, and that would not surprise me. In the slightest, he would have to win either the Masters or the U.S. Open uh, at the Country Club in Brookline. So I, I think, you know, Morikawa certainly is a player to watch this season. He would be, you know, he's my he's going to be my pick for every tournament if we make picks. It's just going to be like this dude is an absolute stone cold killer. He is so good. And if he, if this guy can figure out how to putt, I don't know how he loses. Yeah, and I think that's what's been so remarkable. We've kind of seen what his potential could be so far this season. And he's won back to back champ uh, major championships, twenty twenty one Open Championship, twenty twenty two PGA Championship. So, like you said, Chris, you've kind of got a feeling he could do it again. This year, another guy for me, I have to make a shout-out. We were talking about it before we hopped on this podcast. Cameron Young, Wake Forest graduate. He's also from Fordham Prep, so just down the street from us at Fordham University, my alma mater. So he's a guy that's kind of sneaking in. He played really good at Waste Management. Now he's in the Genesis Invitational. But I'll kind of throw it to you guys. Is there any maybe a young golfer you see or maybe just someone, a name we know, but he's playing really golf, good golf right now that you want, you want to mention? Uh, I mean, Chris mentioned it, but Scotty Scheffler, he's a guy that came in one waste management on that crazy 26-foot putt uh, there in the playoff against Patrick uh, Cantlay. And, 
you, you, you kind of feel like he's a guy that wins a tournament in waste management. Maybe he's a guy that he gets his first PGA win. Maybe that's just kind of for him, just kind of breaks the seal a little bit and you see, see some more wins down the line. Yeah, for me, I think it's Spieth because you have him in his kind of second act here. His first yeah. act was 2015, obviously, and one of the best seasons we've ever seen outside of Tiger Woods. Uh, could have won three, should have won three majors, should have won the, the, the British Open that year too. Um, and he had a really good year last year, and this year is going to be about winning maybe, a, you know, winning a big tournament. Last year I think he won one of those smaller tournaments. You know, if he could have pulled it off at Pebble, that certainly would have qualified. Um, I think that he's a guy to watch at Augusta. He's had success there, and he's had demons there in the past. Uh, and I think that he, you know, because Augusta kind of symbolizes the downfall of of Jordan, it's, it symbolizes the peak, right? He wins mm-hmm. in 2015. It also symbolizes the downfall, where he drops it in the water in in on number 12 in, tw- in 2016. Obviously, he won the British in 17, but I think he he's such an interesting guy uh, because I think he's a psychopath, and or I know he's a psychopath. I watch I, you know, I watch it. He he loses his mind, but he's so good and he's so talented. And I, I, you know, he was an obvious elite. Or was he on the Ryder Cup team this year? No, no. right? Yeah, it was like an so. obvious thing to leave him off yeah. the Ryder Cup team. I think there was something there. Yeah, I'd have to look at it. But yeah, it was an obvious thing to leave him off the Ryder Cup team just because he was playing poorly. And I think that in his mind, he wants to be an obvious choice for the 2023 Ryder Cup team. Uh, and the and you know, play with his buddies and go win a Ryder Cup over in Italy. So, I think. He's such an interesting guy to watch. Obviously, he almost died at Pebble Beach. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that, but he was like standing on the cliff at number eight, yeah. um, almost like almost falling off the cliff. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it will certainly be an interesting year for him. Yeah, I, I, a couple, another guy. You know, I think about Spieth. I think about people you want to watch. Like if you're watching a tournament, especially at the Masters, you're checking Spieth's score because you yeah. want to see that comeback. And I think that's what golf is really all about. But and that's what makes Tiger so exciting as well. But Another guy that I like is Kepka. He's all about the majors. When you think about Brooks Kepka, is that he likes to talk about showing up for majors, but you know, he's done pretty good so um pretty well this season, tied for third in the waste management open. I think he's a serious guy where you can think about winning the Honda Classic. I'm gonna yeah. get to that later in the podcast, but he's someone I'm also watching had some back problems last year. I think that's what kinda held him back. But when he's healthy and he shows up, he plays some big golf in big moments. He's another guy I'm going to be watching. Two top ten finishes this year uh, from Kepka, so it feels like he's knocking on the door to either you know win. I think Honda Classic is definitely one of those for at least me that he's really ripe to win, but obviously majors as well. And then you talk about Spieth. Really, last year the Open Championship finishes second in, then Masters he finishes third, and so you feel like he's knocking on the door as well to maybe obviously make kind of that second comeback, as Chris was saying. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that Brooks, man, he's such an interesting fella, isn't he? Brooks Kepka yeah. and his buddy Bryson DeChambeau there, and uh, yeah. buddies is one way to buddies describe. Is one way to, yeah, maybe they're friends now. Love hate, something's yeah. there. Yeah. I um, I'm surprised he wasn't a Saudi guy. I'm just gonna say, I think he, I I thought he was gonna be the poster boy for Saudi, and ended up being Bryson, and then it, the whole thing fell apart. But or hopefully it falls apart. But um, yeah, he uh. I think he's awesome for the game, though. I think both of them are. Yeah. And I think that sure. this this season is an awesome season to do the Netflix show, where you're going to have kind of the end of Bryson Brooks with the beginning of Saudi, maybe the end of Saudi, the downfall of Phil, 
And it's an awesome season to start doing this too. And obviously we're not Netflix, but <laughs> we will certainly, uh, you know, whenever it comes out, be talking about the Netflix special because I think it's going to be a super exciting um, uh, project that they're putting together there, obviously on the heels of the F1, uh, F1 series. Yeah, I think you mentioned, you know, something about obviously the whole Bryson and Brooks thing. I think that's what kind of golf needs. It's kind of lacked in the past. You know, you got to you know, get eyes on the screens, get viewers. And having those storylines is what makes the NBA so popular, even leagues like the NFL. And I think Bryson and Brooks have kind of brought that. And, you know, you mentioned the whole um, Saudi league and what that has also brought to the game. I think that's brought a bit, uh, a bit of drama. That's what I want to take the discussion now. Obviously, the Mickelson comments, he called them scary and he also made comments against their record, against human rights, in uh, an off-the-record conversation, as he says, that came out. And he originally was almost a backer of the Saudi tournament, is what it seemed, but it turned out through those off-the-record comments, he was just using it to gain leverage against the PGA Tour. He since apologized. KPMG had ended their sponsorship with him. Andrew, I'll go to you first. What do you make of this whole situation with Phil Mickelson? I mean, it's something that for Phil, I feel like, I mean, it's usually Tiger that's in like the limelight, the more, you know, stuff that's getting into the big news this time. It's it, it's uh, Phil. And it, it is just this whole situation is pretty interesting. The whole idea of a Saudi tour that's like more match play uh, and kind of something to rival the PGA Tour, which you kind of see in some other leagues that it kind of breeds competition. NFL, they've had countless leagues that haven't worked out, whether it be the XFL or the USFL, whatever league you want to talk about. NBA's had the ABA in the past as well, just, you know, a long time ago. So usually like leagues like that do breed competition. But I mean, the way this went down, obviously, was just just a, a big mess. That's really all you can say. It kind of fell apart in like a week. The Saudi Saudi tour had, uh, you know, a few golfers, Bryson Shambo, obviously, Phil Mickelson. But yeah, it, it's that thing where the players want more, you know, saying in the PGA tour and Phil Mickelson using, you know, this is kind of just like a bargaining chip was uh, interesting to say the least. Well, it's interesting because he's the guy who won the PIP. Yeah. I think that that is super, because like the PIP, the player impact program is a direct response to Saudi, mm-hmm. an absolute direct response. And Phil Mickelson won it, although there's now been some, maybe Tiger won it, like it's not 100% official. Um, Phil was at least top two in it. And now he's trying to utilize, he wants his media right. He wants everything. He said he wants to like attach a GoPro to the bill of his hat and let people watch. And it's like, Phil, uh, people don't watch the Masters on Sunday. Like, nobody's watching you and, play and think golf. think about the, all the, the Masters angles we get nowadays. Like, that's not even doing that <laughs> much for the, I feel like, the, the one to hear Mickelson and the GoPro thing, how much he wants out of it, you know, the game. I know, and and... If it wasn't Saudi, I think I'd be so much more interested in it. Like, if this was, yeah, like, you know, the Italian tour or whatever, exactly, I think yeah. I'd be so much more interested in it because then they really could use it for leverage. The PGA Tour basically is saying nothing, and by saying nothing, they're saying if you go over there, it's PR suicide yeah. is what it is. And it's been PR suicide for Phil Mickelson. It would have been for Bryson if he didn't deny it. He was going to get paid two weeks ago. He was rumored to get paid $130 million by Saudi. And it's right now it's the only sport with tennis, I guess, that you get money based on your performance. Your contract is not guaranteed, unlike in other sports. And you can incentivize golfers to do that if it wasn't a human rights violation issue, I think. And I think that this provides a huge opportunity for somebody else to step in if they have that kind of money, if they have that kind of wherewithal uh, or just desire to do it, 
to offer golfers guaranteed contracts. I think that this proves that players will at least be interested in it. And if it's a legitimate threat that isn't a human rights violation, a country (laughs) with histories of human rights violations, players are going to go. I think that's proven over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I think that there is definitely a potential for a league like the Saudi League to happen. The only reason why I think the PGA Tour, there's something about it that's always going to stick is when you know Tiger Woods comes out and he st- says, I'm sticking with the PGA Tour. That's where I won my championships. That's where I've made my career. It's It's tough for me to think that another golfer that ever wants to build a legacy, maybe not to rival Tiger, but to be among the greats of golf, it's hard for them to feel like they could do it at another tour and that's where you know I really say you know the PGA Tour has so much history that in the end it's hard for any other league in, to rival it I think you might lose another a couple players here and there but just like with the Saudi League although it might the players might flirt with the possibility they're going to come back and they're going to want to play in the league that you know in the end they're going to be able to build a legacy $130 million is a lot of money though and that's something like that's the thing that you, you know with, with this league and uh, the Super League. I think they were calling it like giving golfers guaranteed money. There's definitely you know intrigue there, and I, I think the biggest kind of intrigue of the PGA Tour is like the Masters playing in uh, the U.S. Open, the Open Championship, like all that stuff. That's the intrigue, and it's like kind of those things where technically, I mean, PGA like its main events of like the PGA Championship, whether it be the FedEx Cup, uh, Tour Championship, all that stuff. It's not the most you know when you look at kind of news and what gets out into the mainstream those are not the the tournaments that really get out there it's the masters it's all that stuff so the pga i think they they have to take this and they're kind of lucky that saudi uh they're the ones that are backing this it's a human rights violation that's why players aren't going to go because what if another billionaire or something wants to start a league i mean i'd be surprised if you know this doesn't cause a pga the pga tour to at least look at kind of their system and looking how they're compensating players looking kind of how the tour is even set up uh going forward because this it ended up being, you know, it, probably nothing's going to happen of it. Obviously, there's a lot of money behind the Saudi tour, but I'm assuming that it's going to die at this point. But who knows the next billionaire that's going to come up? Yeah, I think that's well said, Andrew, because if the PGA Tour wants to save themselves, they would need to get Augusta National and the USGA behind them. Yeah. RNA obviously would be preferable too, but for us as American golf fans, if the master says, look, if you leave the, if you. Not if you leave the PGA Tour because then you're taking out the amateurs, but if you join this other league, you're not in the Masters. Nobody's going to that other league, whether it's Saudi, Italy, Canada, whatever. And I think that's that's the key. Or maybe it's the Sam Davis-Ireland Tour. Maybe yeah. Sam Davis is going to start it out in Ireland. Well, Chris, you brought up the Sam Davis-Ireland Tour. Uh, I think it's time we, you know, we bring in Sam all the way from Ireland across the Atlantic. Uh, Sam, can you hear us? Are you there? Yeah, I hear you. Can you can you guys hear me? All right. Awesome. Yeah, we can hear you. So glad to you know have you on the show. We're playing you more as a guest, at least for this first time around. But uh, I, I guess we'll just you know give us your your thoughts on the early season of golf. Anybody stand out? Any takeaways? You know, from the beginning of the year. Yeah, Mike. Before I jump into any of that, I'm so pumped. I mean, you can't see me right now. Obviously, I'm calling in, and obviously in another country here. But I'm smiling ear to ear. I mean, I'm so happy to. to this podcast is really awesome. Uh, props to all you guys, especially to you, Mike, for getting this started because I am, you know, pumped, and I reflect all the things you guys said about how excited I am to talk golf. Uh, just only golf for a week on a podcast every week. So I'm super pumped to be here. And yeah, I mean. You guys hit a, hit on a bunch of really good stuff in terms of the the uh, the early season tournaments here. This time in golf, it kind of reminds me of spring training in baseball almost. It gives me that vibe like we're not exactly at 
where you know the 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 players the masters those big time tournaments yet but we're seeing some really exciting really interesting time in golf right now and overall that's got me super excited to get into these tournaments like waste management you know we'll talk about the honda classic as well Uh, just getting into these tournaments early on in the year i think is overall really exciting because we know what's going to come in march and in april as well uh, as the majors start to get underway but just a super exciting time in golf. And I think just the anticipation of getting it all going from some really good tournaments early on has been super fun to watch. And Sam, I, I obviously, I think you're excited for the golf podcast. I think you have to be when you're in Ireland playing yes, at, yes. at some, you know, great courses, different courses from out there. I wanted to ask you about, you know, kind of the golf out there. How is it different than uh, here uh, in the States and that type of stuff? Yeah, no, it's been amazing. I'm so glad I, I brought my clubs. It was a, you know, it was a pain to bring them on the airplane, yeah. but getting them over here was a hassle. But once I did get them over here, it's, it's been really awesome. I've played it about, I think, five or six different courses already. I've only been here about a month. So I've been able to play, you know, kind of all over the place. Mostly, you know, I'm near Dublin where I'm studying here. So mostly around the Dublin area, although I'm starting to branch out a little bit. I'm playing on Friday in a, a town called Drogheda, which is about an hour and a half away from here. But some really cool courses. Um, honestly, the, the the quality of these courses, you know, in winter, typically in the U.S., especially in the Northeast, at, at least, you know, up near Fordham or whether it be in Connecticut where I live, you know, the grass is dead. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's winter golf. It, it, it's what you expect. It's not exactly the, uh, you know, the courses aren't at tip-top shape until the summertime or until – later in the spring but here they look like they're in tip-top shape all year round i mean the grass the fairways the greens they look beautiful um and that helps because it rains every single day i mean the weather is uh you know obviously taking a little bit of an adjustment to get used to that weather with all the rain but it's great for the golf courses because the the vegetation and the grass is really beautiful and i've had so much fun playing golf and you know, I think you guys probably feel the same way. When you get out on the golf course and you play, it makes you even more interested in watching the professionals and watching the tournaments. So that's why, you know, overall, my my golf uh, enthusiasm is, is about as high as it's ever been, to be honest. Yeah, I was about to ask the same question because golf in Connecticut in March is is not exactly the same as golf in Ireland in February is what it sounds like. <laughs> not at all, or, not at all, unfortunately. Or, or Riviera, which is, you know, kind of what spikes me. I'm, I'm so ready to get home, and hopefully the ground is thawed out by spring break. Um, yes. Yeah, exa- exactly. Um, what like What's the bucket list out there? Like, what if, what's on your list? Are you trying to get over to Scotland? Like, do you have a, like, mm-hmm. I, look, if I was studying abroad in Ireland, Golf would be my number one priority. I don't know if that's true for you as well, but it's if you played six times, it sounds like it's up there. Like, what is your bucket list? Are you trying to get over? Like, what what's the plan? So right now, yeah, that's a great question because I've looked at what I've been using a lot is Golf Digest actually put out a top one hundred golf courses in Ireland. So um, obviously, some of those courses are either on the very expensive side or aren't for amateurs like myself. You know, I'm not, I'm far from a professional golfer. I'm not very good. I just picked up the game over, you know, about a year ago. But um, so I basically kind of sort through the different courses and find the ones that have, uh, you know, really been interested in. Carton House is the course that I played actually very close to my, uh, my school here uh, in Maynooth. Uh, it was an absolutely beautiful course. Uh, there's, actually two 18 hole golf courses. So, so a massive amount of space There's a hotel there as well. So really beautiful area. 
that was definitely one I was interested in playing because I looked it up before coming here uh, to study. So that was one, you know, on my list for now. And there's a couple of courses I'm starting to expand, like I said, outside of the Dublin area to try and see some other sides of the country. I'm playing at a course on Friday um, right on the water, which should be beautiful. There's a beach there. And, you know, although the weather, you know, it's obviously not beach weather, but it'll still be beautiful to play some golf and, and have those views right in the water. So I'm super looking. I hope I'm not making you guys too jealous. But extremely, I, uh, extremely jealous. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I realized I was <laughs> as I was saying that. But no, it's been it's been awesome to play out here for sure. Sam, when you um when you look at, you know, these golf courses you're going to or maybe the style of golf, is there anything that you find distinctly different about when you've played in, you know, the United States outside of maybe the weather or, you know, the how the course is able to hold up the standards in these type of months? Yeah, I mean, something that I've, uh, I guess, noticed, I don't know if this is the case in all of Ireland. Obviously, I've only played, you know, five or six times, but of course, they're very open, which I kind of like, you know, you don't lose your ball in the in the woods a lot, which is nice, because especially I got to, you know, my my drive, half the time, I have no idea where it's going. So it's nice to, uh, it's nice to have the fact that even if it ends up in the other fairway, it's not going in the woods to get there first. So the courses have been really open, um, which has been interesting. A, a less, less, less sand too. I haven't really found as many sand traps over here. I don't know why that is, but that's just something I've noticed personally. Versus a couple courses I play a lot back at home that you know in Connecticut and you know occasionally in New York that have a lot more sand traps. So those are the biggest differences I've noticed over here. Very open courses, uh, you know, not as many sand traps. But in terms of the the greens and putting. Uh, those have certainly been a little bit of a challenge uh, early on. Putting has never been my strong suit. It's not something I have the discipline to work on as much as I should. So that's been like a, a little bit of an adjustment, but I think it's going to make me a better golfer in the long run. So definitely uh, differences in the courses out here for sure. No, that's definitely really interesting. I'm surprised that they're more open because I know people talk about like the Midwest of the United States, like that's being the kind of the open area with golfer. Yeah. You see Brooks Kepka just bomb drives in, in the US <laughs> Open a few years ago and like that is kind of yeah. like you talk about that. I'm kind of surprised that Ireland's also like that and not uh, you know, maybe a little more narrow because I think people talk about like the open championship that being, you know, really challenging courses and like the weather is different, the winds, like is that something with like the weather, winds? That's yeah. I think people talk about like with the open championship and you know, the, the European tour, like weather being more of a factor than it is here over in the States. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought up weather because that's definitely a big thing, especially wind. Um, it's been really windy over here, which has been in general just surprising to me. Um, but that has been an extra little layer of, of challenging, I guess you could say, is certainly the wind has been a factor. And yeah, I like in terms of the, you know, the openness of the course is obviously – you know, I don't know what it is for the yeah. entire country. And, and obviously things are a little different when you go to Scotland or you go to uh, the UK as well. So that things are a little different over there also um, in terms of uh, the rough, especially. And some of that also, it's important to note, at least I think in the wintertime, they'll, they'll, sometimes they'll cut down some of the hazards so that it's a little more easier to play. And then once you get into the peak season, they let that high grass grow kind of like, you know, if you think about, you know, the Open Championship out in Scotland or whatever. Uh, you have that picture of that kind of image in mind. But the wind is definitely a big time factor. It hasn't been an issue when I've played, but it's been really windy this week. So I'm thinking Friday on the water where, I, where I'm going to be playing, the wind is definitely going to be a factor. 
So that'll be uh, difficult <laughs> to say the least, but uh, a challenge I'm excited for, for sure. Say hi to Shane Lowry if you see him out there. <laughs> yes, see Shay. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Well, if we talk a little Honda Classic, I mean, I gotta, I gotta bring up a couple, a uh, couple of international uh, players. You know, I got the international perspective over here. I gotta name <laughs> drop uh, my my man Shane Lowry. I love Shane Lowry. Yeah. So I mean, good good uh, transition point. You talk about the Honda Classic uh, at the PJ National Resort. Um, most difficult par 70 among all non-majors in each of the last four completed seasons and six of the last seven. So a tough golf course of a par 70. Sam, is there anyone that stands out to you um, among the, the field that you think you know, you know, could do well in this tournament, maybe even win it? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the PGA National as a very difficult course because I was doing a little bit of research on that myself. And um, you know, I looked into, uh, you know, holes 15, 16, 17, the bear trap they're called. I've never actually heard, heard that before, but, um, you know, they've lost 1600 balls in the water since 2007 on those holes alone. 88% of golfers are over par in those holes. So that is, that is a round ruiner. That is a championship. I mean, you could be a leader heading into Sunday and you, you, you take on those holes in the back nine and all of a sudden you find yourself falling out of the top five. So that is definitely going to be a challenge for these golfers. The water and the wind, especially the water, uh, will definitely play a factor in, in terms of the hazards on the back nine of the golf course. But in general, just a really difficult course, PGA National. Um, you know, we mentioned Shane Lowry, and I have to, you know, give give my my Irish. Uh, well, actually, I'm not Irish, so I shouldn't say that. But you know, my uh, at least a perspective here in Ireland, uh, you know, I got to got to shout out Shane Lowry. So eighth is odds are eighth best in the field. So I looked a little into Shane Lowry and last year he shot 67 and 66 in the first two days at the Honda classic. So really good numbers, put himself in position on Saturday and Sunday, but then he shot back to back 74s that kind of dropped him out of contention. You know, he finished, I think plus one for the tournament at the Honda classic last year. So he's proved that he can have success at the PGA National, but it's it's about being consistent more with him and, and, and finishing that into the weekend uh, with him, I think is going to be a big factor. But he has an opportunity, I think, you know, maybe for a top 10 finish, considering that he has had success at such a difficult course like PGA National. And just, I know I'm talking for a while, sorry, but just one more golfer I wanted to bring up as well is another international face, you know, over there across, uh, I guess, not really across the pond, but across a, a small body of water in the UK. You have Tommy Fleetwood, of course, as well. He's got the six best odds out of everybody in the field for the Honda Classic. Um, Tommy has he's got a top ten finish already this season. He was third at Honda Classic a couple of years ago, so I think he's another guy to keep an eye on in terms of the international. You know, obviously you've got plenty of American golfers in there as well. You guys mentioned Brooks Brooks Kepka a little while ago, but in terms of the international perspective, I had to shout out those two guys, uh, Tommy Fleetwood and, of course, my man Shane Lowry. Man, I, I love Tommy Fleetwood ever since that uh, his performance at the Shinnecock uh, back in my backyard in Long Island. And what he, I think, it was like minus eight, minus nine on the, yeah. on the, the 63. Yeah. yeah, it was just insane. Yes. I was like, after watching, I was like, wow, this guy's good. And you, you talk about when you're... Also has great hair. Yes, yes, for he sure. He looks like he's from California. He doesn't even look like he's from the UK with yeah. that hair. He looks like, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like watching that round, I was like, when I, I played around. 
just think the day before I, I was watching that, I was like, man, he makes it look so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just not good at this game. <laughs> yeah, so that, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, that, that's the issue with watching uh, professional golfers. They make you feel so bad about yourself. Like, you just, like, it's not even close. Like, the level that these guys play at, and, and for them, like, a miss – you know, if, if they bring out a, you know, five or six iron and they're going towards the green or whatever it may be, if they miss, they're still landing on the green and they're still just maybe not at the angle or the exact spot they want it to be at for putting versus me. Like, I'm just trying to get it within like a 30 you know <laughs> yard radius of the of the green in general. Like, I'll be in the bunker on the left and I'm happy. So it's just like, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but it's just no. it's, it's sometimes it's frustrating. Watch uh, it, it. I love it, but. <laughs> I get frustrated at times. It makes, doesn't make you feel good when you see how, how great these guys are compared to you know us amateurs out there. Sam, I want to ask you one more question before we let you go. Honda Classic, if you had to make one pick, I know you mentioned Lowry Fleetwood. Outside of those two guys, is there a winner you have in mind, or do you think one of those two guys are going to win it? I'll give I'll give the nod to Tommy Fleetwood. I think I I I'm not exactly sure why I have so much faith in him, but maybe it's just being on this side of the of the globe here um, that I'm going to give him the edge. I, I I hate to you know I hate to pick against the the Irish uh, you know uh, Shane Lowry, but I am going to I'll, I'll go to the UK just a short way away. Yeah, I, th- I think Tommy Fleetwood has a really good chance to at least be in contention, and you know maybe why not you know win, which I think will be his first first win on the PGA Tour, I believe. So. For, for, uh, it'll be definitely a, a, a big win for Tommy Fleetwood, and I think he's going to take it home. Thanks so much, guys, for having me on. I had a blast. No, Thank you, Sammy. Yeah, it's always yeah. a pleasure. We had so much fun having you on. Hopefully, and we I can... know there's there's only going to be a couple. You know, I I think we'll have a couple more episodes. Probably, obviously, we'll plan it out before uh, you know I return back to the states in in the summer. But I would love to hop on for for definitely some Masters talk or players. I would love to be on for those conversations too. No, I yeah, can't it's, wait it's for those tournaments. It's going to be so exciting. You know, you bring the international perspective and you just bring the <laughs> golf knowledge your great golf knowledge so thanks so much sam (laughs) really appreciate it yeah thanks guys good to talk with you hit him straight sam so sam davis our own wfv sports uh over in ireland giving some really good insight he gave us tommy fleetwood uh shane lowry so a lot of guys there um andrew i'll go to you honda classic what are your expectations anyone you like just you know give me your thoughts this seems like a tournament for for brooks kepka to to win i mean it, i i don't know if that's kind of you know the pick that everyone's gonna go with but it just feels like he's been on the edge of winning a tournament uh earlier this year two top 10 finishes and uh while doing research i was looking at uh just some honda classic trends it was um a, a tweet by Shout out the right person. PGA splits uh, is the account, but it was basically that Honda Classic winner trends and 10 out of the last 12 winners had at least three previous career wins. Obviously, uh, Kepka has that. And uh, you just look at kind of some other things. Six out of the last six winners have produced a top uh, top 16 finish uh, or better on the West Coast uh, swing. So did Kepka. Uh, so he's definitely, you know, a guy that I'm looking at just to, to win this tournament and kind of, you know, get him ready for the big swing coming up. It just feels like his tournament to win. Uh, if I was going to go with someone that wasn't Kepka, some kind of, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of an underdog was Billy Horschel, who's actually returning to his hometown in South Florida. Maybe do some home cooking there. He uh, finished sixth at Waste Management, 11 at the Farmers Insurance Open. So maybe he'll get his first t- tour victory of the year there. Yeah, I like uh, Keith Mitchell. He he was uh, tied for 10th at the Phoenix. He was tied for 7th uh, in Hawaii. 
He's a Southern guy as well. I think he's from Tennessee. And if you're looking, if you're into this side of the game, I'm personally not. But if you are, he's plus 3,300 to win. He's plus 5,000 to lead after round one. I feel like Keith Mitchell is like the like 18-hole leader of every single tournament he plays in. He shoots like 67 on on Friday or Thursday and then like fades. Um, so plus 5,000 seems like pretty good odds there. And he's plus 2,000 to be the top American. This is all according to PGATour.com, so I feel pretty confident in that. Um so I, I like Keith Mitchell, who uh, has been playing pretty well recently, young American guy, and uh, he'll, uh, I think he'll pull it out at Honda. I got another underdog guy before maybe I make my pick on who I you know think is going to win it. Aaron Wise finished last year at the PJ National, tied for 13. He also came out of the eights like very hot first time, um, first time out last time, six under 64. Uh, to tie for second, so I think that he's definitely a guy I'm watching out for uh, that can maybe make a run. I'm not saying he's going to win it, but if I had to pick someone that's really going to, you know, surprise me, I think it could be wise. I like Kepka though too. I think you you said Andrew, this feels like a tournament he could easily win. I also he's not the favorite, which kind of surprises me, but he plays second in PJ National in 2019. He's also two weeks out from being third at the Phoenix Open, so. I think Kepka is someone you know you can seriously have to take. Ser- uh, I mean, you can seriously consider to win this tournament. Who is the favorite? It's M. Oh, so interesting. Uh, yeah, he's the 2020 winner and he's 24th ranking in the world. So he, I guess they they see that they're looking for the former winner. Yeah. Oh, Keith Mitchell also won in 2019. By the way, I just found out by there clicking the little button there. So yeah, I like my pick, Keith Mitchell. I mean, there's I mean, there's some there's some other interesting guys. You know, I'm looking at these sites. Ricky Fowler. Uh, not, not a lot of odds, but uh, not a lot of great odds. But he's got some history of the tournament. Um, he won the event in 2017, so he also has three top ten finishes at this tournament. So he's been, you know, playing very weak golf. Uh, he seemed yeah. to kind of fallen out as he's not even a top 100 golfer right now. Someone who used to think very highly of, maybe a new face in the sport. But if it's a tournament he can get back in the mix, this is another one. That you know, I think I could see Ricky Fowler in there, but you know, there's I like this is what I like about early golf that you can make these picks and it's you know interesting to talk about. One thing I just wanted to mention: watch out for ZJ Zach Johnson. Yeah, you know he could have the just named Ryder Cup yes. captain bump, as that was, that was announced not officially this morning. It's like reported more that he's the captain for the 2023 team in Rome. Uh, so maybe he'll have the the just announced as captain bump. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at these other list of guys before you know we we wrap up here. Um, you know, Kepka's I really like, but Berger's also in there, yeah. and you know, Joaquin Neiman coming off of the you know doing so well at the Genesis Invitational, it's hard to you know count him out. So I think those are two guys that I'm also looking at. That's for sure. I mean, I'd be surprised. if Neiman went back to back. That would be that that'd be something too. You know, obviously you have a hard course in uh, the Honda Classic, and then Genesis obviously a big tournament too. So that would that would be crazy. So um, before I wrap up, you know, the final episode of On the Green. This is it? We're done? I guess this is the it. final I mean, episode? I, no, I'm not the final episode. The first episode. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I was thinking of, like, the wrap, the final ends, you know. But um, this will not be the last episode. I can assure you of that. The first of many. But, you know, I just want to, you know, uh, Chris, I'll start with you. You know, thoughts on the golf season, maybe thoughts about this podcast. You know, what, what, what are your expectations for, you know, the, the season? I am excited to get going. We have some awesome major sites this year. St. Andrews for the Open, uh, the Country Club at Brookline, which is awesome. Maybe we'll do like a greatest game ever played situation with that. Um, 
And the PGA is at Southern Hills in Tulsa, where Tigers won before. Yeah. Uh, pretty sure I got that right. So uh, it could also not. Uh, pretty, uh, I'm, yes, confirmed. It's at Southern Hills in Oklahoma. Um, so awesome major sites. Excited for that. Uh, excited to just, you know, uh, help as much as I can you guys get this off the ground and watch it, you know, because this is my last semester. So keep Sammy's seat warm here and uh, <laughs> watch you guys get it off the ground and, and uh, help in any way I can. And uh, maybe we'll hit the ball around when it gets gets warm and we'll get our clubs down here after spring break and um, film some videos of us being idiots or something. Yeah, I mean, Van Cortland's only a few minutes away. Oh, I'm, I'm way too familiar <laughs> yeah. with Van Cortland. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'm really excited, guys. Definitely should be a, a ton of fun, and this golf season should be a lot of fun. Obviously, you have a lot of up-and-comers, Americans. I think it's like seven or eight are in the top ten, which is obviously – uh, always fun to see, you know, a lot of Americans, a lot of young Americans in there. Who knows? Maybe the return of Tiger maybe comes this year. We'll have to see. As, That's an as automatic emergency on. podcast episode. Yeah, exactly. So, you want to hear? Uh, he's coming back. First tournament, St. Andrews. Okay. He's not playing the Masters. He's not going to play Brookline. Brook players are so out. Yeah. He, I can't even walk. It's yeah, in two no, weeks. No. Masters feels I like I need hope for shit. the Masters. I need hope. I know. I know. I want him to play the Masters, too, but... I think his first tournament, he's, I, he's guaranteed to play at St. Andrews. There's no way he can walk on his two feet and not play at St. Well, Andrews. Well, I mean, we didn't talk about this, but, you know, it's nice to mention, you know, the conversation with Jim Nance, he's definitely coming back for this season. So that's something we're going to have to, you know, keep an eye out for. When Tiger's back, we'll make sure, you know, to talk about it. Oh, yeah, that's going to probably be the most viewed episode is when, uh, <laughs> is when Tiger comes on. Always the, Listen, the, that's the a must-listen of yes. On the Green. But, uh, you know, that's going to do it for the first episode of, of On the Green. So excited to anyone who was able to listen. I'm Michael Calamari, Andrew Gulotta, Chris Tennessee. Hopefully, we'll be back another time to talk golf and all things at the PGA Tour. But until then, this is On the Green, WFUV Sports exclusive golf podcast. Mm-hmm.